We're gearing up for the big game. This is our Vacation Bible School sermon this morning, and we will um, highlight some of the things that our children will be learning this week, but there are things that can benefit each and every one of us. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. I had the opportunity this week to visit a friend of mine I've been friends with now for probably close to 40 years. And uh, at the end of that visit, as uh, I was getting ready to leave, uh, we were talking about the pressures of life and about how you have to deal with pressure in this life and about how if you don't learn how to deal with those pressures and you don't ha learn how to deal with those things, how those uh, things will just consume you and eat you alive and overpower you in some ways. But then as I was leaving, we had an opportunity to join hands, and we prayed about the things that we had just talked about, about all the different things in our lives that were going on and all the different things and stresses and struggles and trials that we faced. And as I look back on that experience now, I realize, yeah, we are all going through different things. As adults, we go through uh, the juggling act of uh, uh, putting together our schedules, our bills, and taking care of our families and our children. They go through the pressures of performance, the pressures of uh, all the things that uh, meet them in life. But here's the thing. As I look back on that experience of praying with my friend, I realize that he and I aren't going through these struggles and these pressures alone. We are able to come together and pray over these things and we're able to go through this life together and to meet these struggles and these pressures and all these things uh, head on together. I like to say that we're doing life together. And this week our children are going to learn, and it's going to be emphasized to them over and over, that God himself has made them a part of a team. He's made all of us a part of a team. Our theme, as you look around here, it has a real athletic uh, theme to it. Um, the, uh, all of the rooms are decorated with lots of jerseys and lots of different things. And uh, there will be a lot of athletic uh, um, similarities and a, a lot of metaphors from the athletic world. That, uh, but it will all point back to the, to the fact that because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can all be a part of a team together. Now, Brian was... Brian, put all this together up here. He was going to build a pitcher's mound up here for me to, to preach from, but I think Donna talked him out of that because she was afraid I would fall and hurt myself. But he envisioned that I've always wanted to be on the mound at Yankee Stadium. He was going to put Yankee Stadium behind me and put me on a mound, but um, I think Donna was afraid that I'd break my leg coming off the mound. So uh, we didn't go that far, but I appreciate all the work but that, that Brian put into this stage. But God has made us a part of a team. Think about this. Right here this morning, inside these four walls, we are a team of local believers. We are a family of faith, a body of believers. And inside these walls here, I, I have said this from the first time that I ever got behind a pulpit. The most important people in your life, outside of the people within the four walls of your home, are the people that you meet here with every Sunday morning. The people that you meet with in your small group, your Sunday school class, the people that you may be in a D-Life group with, those are the most important people. God has made you a part of a team, and it's a local team. 
But here's what's so wonderful about this. As we go other places and as we travel and as we make, God may call us to different places, he's also made us a team, a part of a team of universal believers, a team uh, of all across the world where we know that there are other people of like faith and like minds who have placed their faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and has made us all a part of that. I see people move into our community from other places, and, and those people who are believers, who are, are followers of Jesus Christ, the first thing that they do is they begin to look for a group of people that they can worship with and that they can share faith with. So this week our children are going to learn that God has made us a part of a team. And here's some of the things that he's, they're also going to learn. They're going to learn Jesus cares about me and gives me hope. Jesus cares about me individually. I may be a part of a universal team, but Jesus Christ knows me by name. In that verse that we know so well, for God so loved the world, right there in John 3.16, substitute that the world with your name. God so loved Michael. For God so loved Sparks. For God so loved Adam. For God so loved um, Bert. For God so loved all these people that he gave his one and only son so that we wouldn't have to perish, but we could have eternal life. God, I am a part of a, of a universal team with millions of people on it, but Jesus knows me by name, and he gives me hope. He cares about me. There are places of hope in this life. There are places of refuge and hope that we seek and that we go to. Maybe this church is a, is a place of refuge and hope for you. Maybe the people that surround you are people of refuge and hope that you, that you rally around it, and they rally around you. I had the privilege uh, many years ago of meeting someone who was giving hope to homeless and drug-addicted men in the city of New Orleans. His name was Mel Jones. I have very few heroes in this life, but Mel Jones is one of my heroes. He's an African-American male in New Orleans, and he owned two restaurants, and he was doing really great financially, he was this really good-looking guy, athletic guy, and he was, just, he was on top of the world there in New Orleans. He was a part of the important social order there in the city. But Mel Jones believed so much in himself that when someone offered him the opportunity to try cocaine for the first time, Mel Jones said, I'm Mel Jones. I'm strong. I'm, an, I, I'm a football player. I'm, I'm, I'm all these things. I'm a successful businessman. I can handle this. Just within a year later, Mel Jones had lost both of his restaurants, had lost all of his money, and he was a homeless man on the streets of New Orleans addicted to crack cocaine. And someone from the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary had the opportunity to talk to Mel Jones and to witness to him and to lead him to Jesus and to bring him back to the seminary campus Mel Jones, who had owned restaurants, was a part of uh, speaking to the most important people in the city, now was there on the seminary campus cleaning toilets and emptying trash cans for the students there in the dorms. But guess what Mel Jones had all of a sudden? Mel Jones had the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ in his life, something that was much greater than all of the riches he had accumulated throughout the years and had lost. But now he had hope in Jesus. And as a result of that, Mel Jones 
created a place called Bethel Colony South where hundreds if not thousands of men have now gone through his, his ministry there. Men who are homeless and addicted to drugs come there and they spend time there not just learning about a 12-step program but learning that Jesus Christ is their only hope in this life. And as a result of that, those men, they have to work, they have to go to school, they have to do all the things that are, that are required of them. And as a result, most of those men will plug back into that ministry and do the same for that. So in this life, there are great places of refuge and hope that we have an opportunity to see and we have an opportunity to make here in our own community. Here's what Mel Jones clung to during that time was this verse, John 10, 10, where Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. Not the two restaurants and all the money that he had before, but he was abundant in hope because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he shared that hope, and now hundreds of men have come to know Christ as a result. You see, in this life, people are looking for peace in this world. People will look to finances. People will look to politics. People will look to relationships with other people. But if Jesus is not first in our life, those things will always let us down. But this week, our children are going to learn that Jesus Christ is our hope. And he is our hope for all of this life and eternity. Psalm 86, 15, David said these words, But you, O Lord, are a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So they'll learn this week that Jesus cares about them, and that he gives them hope, and then they will also learn that when they give their life to Jesus, he will help them to believe. I asked this question Wednesday night in our Wednesday night Bible study. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, what immediately sprung into your mind about the rest of your life? And there were a lot of different answers. Some people said, I knew immediately that I was going to heaven. I knew immediately that I had Jesus to walk with me through this life. Um... There was a man in, in, in the book of Mark who said these words to Jesus. He said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. How many of you have struggled after you became a believer? You struggle with doubt and fear and worry and unbelief at certain times in your life. There are probably lots of people who have been there in that place. But here's what I learned when I became a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. First of all, I learned that forgiveness is available to all people. Acts 2, 21, these words were said, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who can call upon, can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved at the, at the leading of the Holy Spirit. I learned that forgiveness is available to all, and I learned that eternal life is available to all. Ephesians 1, 7 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Eternal life is available to each and every person who believes. Now, they're going to learn that Jesus will help them to believe. Jesus gives us faith. Jesus gives us faith and he grows that faith in us throughout our relationship with him. The more that we walk with him, the more that we're in this relationship with him, the more we begin to grow in that faith. I've been struggling um, for the last uh, year or two about preaching and about different things about preaching. 
and I have I I have this um I have this office and I have all these books and I have thousands and thousands of dollars worth of books that people have given me and that I have uh, invested in myself and I can tell you that right now I'm doing I'm doing a study on the seven churches in uh, Revelation chapter two and chapter three and I'm either going to preach that or teach that on a Sunday night. And I'm looking at those things. I've got more notes and more books laying around than you could uh, ever imagine. But I, I've been struggling and, and thinking about what's different about preaching now. And here's what the Lord has, has said to me very clearly. And, and he, it was like he woke me up in the middle of the night and said this. Remember when you first started preaching? And I was, yeah, I do. What did you have? And I thought about it. And here's what I had when I first started preaching. I had a beat-up copy of a King James Version Schofield Study Bible. I didn't have any commentaries. I didn't have any books. I didn't have anything. I had that Bible, but here's what I had. I had a, I had a longing and a passion and a desire I had I would take that Bible and I would open that Bible and I would read that Bible for hours at a time. And I would take and I would and, and here's I, I didn't have I didn't know any kind of formula, I didn't know any kind of pattern, I didn't know anything at all. All I knew was this. God called me to preach and I was completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit to give me what to say and to let me know what I was to preach and to let me know what I was to say and to let me know when it was time to sit down. And, and that it wasn't, my, my job was to preach and to plant the seed, and it was the Holy Spirit's responsibility after that. Now, many years later, here's what I see. I, 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 here's what I, I, I realize what happens to a lot of men. We get educated, and we learn all these things, and we get all these books, and we get all these, and, we, and we've got all these software programs, and we go and we type in, and we look at all these things, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying that tomorrow I'm going to take my library and put it out on the street, Don't not, not, a, not, not anytime soon. But here's what I'm saying is that the Lord has convicted my heart that I'm more dependent now on those things than I am on the power of the Holy Spirit. And it, it is more important for me, and here's what he showed me, for every minute that I'm studying, there needs to be a, a, I need to be praying even more than that time. And, 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 and that's... And, and to go back to that simple faith that I had then, that every Sunday morning when I got in my car and I went to some church somewhere, Bree and I would load up and we'd go all over this area. Every Sunday we'd be somewhere different preaching. But here's what I, I had. I had a belief in my heart that when I walked to that pulpit that the Holy Spirit was in charge. And that he was the one who was, he was, the one who was in charge and, and it wasn't me. And so here's what I want you to pray. We're, we're talking about Bible school, but I want to throw this in here. I want you to pray for your preacher and his preparation, that it be more powerfully bathed in prayer than it is in other men's books and other men's works and writings. Will you do that for me? Not, not all of you said amen. All right. If you don't say amen, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll just start reading books up here and we'll stay all day, all right? But that's what... Jesus, when Jesus came into my life, he gave me faith and he helped me to believe. And we have to cling to that. We have to cling to that simple faith. Has he answered every prayer the way I wanted it answered? 
No, not, not he hadn't answered every prayer the way I wanted it answered. But he answered every prayer in my best interest. And he has, he's answered every prayer in the best interest of my future and the future of my family and everything that we, we do. Now, here's the last point. Jesus loves me and gives me joy. Our children are going to learn that Jesus loves us and that he gives us the joy that we have. Are you happy this morning? Are you happy? Are you happy over here? Y'all happy? They're not happy over here. Some of y'all need to move over here and rub off on them. Let me ask you this. What's ma what makes you happy this morning? T tell me, what makes you happy? Holy Spirit. Somebody else, what makes you happy this morning? Love. Helping others. All right? Do you ever, do you ever go through periods of time where you're just not happy? You ever gone through periods of time where you're just not happy? But have you ever, since you've been a Christian, been in a place where the devil com could completely steal your joy? You see, joy is a much deeper thing than happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is, uh, you know, Friday the Braves won, and it, it was an exciting game. Yesterday they lost in 14 innings, and I'll never get those five hours back. All right? Happiness is fleeting. Happiness comes and goes. But the joy of Jesus is with us in our heart, and it's deep, and it's rooted deep. And that joy that's in Jesus is not easily moved. And that joy that's in Jesus is even when you may go through months and periods of time where you're just not happy, there are still those moments where that joy of Jesus comes to the surface and bubbles up, and you can still make it through the day. There are days where you just have to. But here's what our children are going to learn. They're going to learn that because of that joy, that they are in a beginning of a daily relationship with Jesus. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says this, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Next time you're not happy, read that verse and you ought to get some joy. The next time you're depressed, read that verse and you should know that because of your relationship with Jesus, every day there is nothing on this earth or nothing in the heavens that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And here's this, it's my fault. If I'm not engaging in this relationship, it's not God's fault, it's my fault. And here's something else they'll learn this week. They'll learn about a man named John who was one of Jesus' disciples. And they'll learn that he was so close to Jesus that the Bible points out that there at the Last Supper he was sitting right next to Jesus. He was John the Beloved. Now here's what they'll learn is that we can have the same relationship and closeness with Jesus that John the Beloved had in our everyday walk in life. And we can have joy in spite of our circumstances. God is going to use us to reach people with his love. And we have a lifetime and eternity of blessings that are prepared for us. Some days are hard. Some days are harder than the day before. And some days are, some days are just, they're hard. And you just basically have to get through the day. And then there are periods and stretches of time that are hard. They're difficult. You may be going through things with your health or your finances or your family, your children, your grandchildren. It may be so many different things. 
And there are days that you get up and you put your feet on the floor and you say a prayer and you grit your teeth and you lower your head and you just have to make it through that day. But even in those times, we know, know that we can have joy in spite of the circumstances that are around, are around us. And we know that if we will allow him to, God will use our circumstances in the, in the future to reach people who are going through that without Jesus and to show them the hope of Jesus. And here's, here's something else that they'll learn this week is this, that we need to stay close to Jesus so that we can bear fruit and be filled with his glory. Jesus said these words in John 15, verse 5. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now think about that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He gives a description there of that vine and those branches that are engrafted, those branches that are engrafted into that vine, and they are bearing fruit, and they are giving a fruit for other people to be satisfied with. I tell you what, if you begin your day quoting this verse, here's what you'll realize. You'll realize that you are completely dependent upon God for that day, and you are completely dependent upon the voice of God to lead you and to take you through that day. And you'll realize that you can't bear fruit, and you can't do anything for his glory if you are not abiding in him in the way that he describes here. So here's the bottom line of what our children are going to learn this week, is that life is meaningless and without hope until we give our lives to Jesus. Life is meaningless and without hope until we give our lives to Jesus. I think about my life before Jesus. And I think about how to other people it may have appeared that I was happy and that I was living the life that I wanted to live. But here's where it came to for me. It didn't matter if I was alone or if I was in a group of 50 people. I knew that there was something completely missing in my life, and I knew that the truth was I was absolutely miserable and unhappy. And then there came a moment in time where the Holy Spirit of God spoke to me and pointed me to Jesus and told me, your life is meaningless and your life is without hope, but it can be different. It can be changed. It can be a different fruitful life, a life with purpose, a life with meaning, but you have to surrender to Jesus. You have to ask for forgiveness. You have to repent of those sins, go in the opposite direction. You have to follow him. And so I did. Has every day been wonderful? Has every day been a, a, a ticker tape parade and a picnic every day? Absolutely not. But I tell you this, at the end of every day, I know that I'm forgiven, and I know that difficulties might last until I take my last breath. But here's what I know. At the end of that, at that last breath, I'm going to collapse in the arms of Jesus, and everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be all right. And this morning, if you're here and you don't have that relationship, you don't know the things that I've just described that our children are going to learn, wouldn't it be wonderful this morning if we were able to begin Vacation Bible School with you coming to know Jesus Christ through faith and uh, through uh, in Him 
and in what he did for you and that alone. I'm going to ask Darren to come and lead us in a time of invitation, time of worship, time of reflection. And I want you to think about that. Maybe you need to come and, and I will share with you from God's word how you can know you're forgiven and you have eternal life. Maybe you're here this morning and you know that, that you have been obedient there, but you haven't been obedient in believers' baptism or church membership. Whatever it is this morning that you need to do, now is the time for you, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, to do and to, and to please God through what you do. Now is the time. This week, our kids are going to learn that they're a part of a team because Jesus gave his life for them on a cross, was buried and resurrected, and that now he's in heaven waiting for our response. Would you stand as we pray? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, dear God, for the opportunity to open your word and to hear you speak. And Father, I pray this morning if there are those here who are under any of the things that I said, I pray that they would surrender to the Holy Spirit this morning and be obedient. Maybe there are those who just want to come and pray for the work, the ministry that will happen here this week. Whatever it is we need to do, now's the time to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.